Um, it's been a couple of weeks. Two weeks ago was our Youth Sunday. Uh, they did a phenomenal job. Dave, Pastor David did a great job finally getting Lazarus out of the grave. Um, stuck there for weeks, I think. Uh, and that kind of set off a lot in motion uh, as far as this whole buildup with Jesus and the religious leaders. Finally, they'd had enough. Um, it was time to shut this down. Uh, this Jesus guy was causing a little too much ruckus with all of his uh, signs and then raising some guy from the dead like, hold on, there's something going on and we need to shut it down. <clears throat> and then John last week hit on that, that, that yeah, it is time now, almost a critical time to make a decision. Uh, Jesus had given them uh, all these signs and been just blatantly honest, laying it all out of who he is, the son of God, the living bread, the living water, like <clears throat> he is God. He is the son of God. He has come to be the Messiah. Like, hello, it's pretty easy. And, and last week we looked at, there are some people that are still like, oh yeah, that's kind of cool. You know, some cool signs. Uh, he's a nice guy. Eh, you know, I'll take him for, for what I see at face value. Then we have the religious leaders who are angry, like we've got a major issue. Our own influence and power is being questioned. Uh, Jesus is going to wreck all that. <clears throat> we need to shut this down. And then there are those who do believe, who get it, um, who understand who he is. And yes, they believe. And I'm with Chris Kimson that, hello, like out of the three choices, that makes the, the most sense. Um, and wouldn't it be that much easier to just understand that? And we on this side and in this room, majority of us are Christians, we get that. Um, but there are some who still question some who aren't sure, some who are angry at God and don't uh, fully understand who he is. So things are to a point now where it is time to decide who Jesus is. Uh, and so if we say that we believe Jesus, if we choose life in him, if we are ready for this life-changing radical belief, this is what it's going to look like. So turn with me to John chapter 12. Verses 1 through 11, we're going to take a look at a dinner party. We're going to take a look at a couple of, a few characters who are at this dinner party, one of which is Mary, um, who we are going to understand what it means to surrender all. And we just sang that song. Can we truly, in our own hearts, say, I surrender all to Jesus? So let's take a look, and that's our challenge for this morning. So read with me John chapter 12. Verses 1 through 11. And it says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he who was about to betray him, said, Why was this ointment not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. 
Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For the poor you always have with you, but you do not always have me. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came not only on account of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to put Lazarus to death as well, because on account of him, many of the Jews were going away and believing in Jesus. So we have this account of this dinner party, and I want us to take a look at what it truly means to be a Christian. So what does it mean to be a Christian? And we've been following uh, through the book of John so far, and John at the end basically says, believe. Um, Believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that we have life in him. Well, guess who else believes in Jesus? And that those are the demons. So it's more than just the statement of I believe. There's, you've got to step into this belief. And that happens by following, uh, to follow Jesus. And so much more than a Simon Says game, follow the leader. It's not just a bunch of instructions and here's your assignment for the day. No, it is following Jesus. Um, and in that is an ultimate sacrifice of ourselves uh, to fully give ourselves our whole lives surrendering to him. Um, and so one who follows Jesus, uh, and what does that mean to follow Jesus? Well, we're going to take a moment in, in a second to, to see what Jesus says of what it takes to follow him. And I need to warn you that this is a radical thing that Jesus is going to share with us. Not the cool, rad dude, you know what I mean? Like, the, the cool, excellent, no, this is a radical, life-changing, life-altering, like your life will never be the same kind of decision to follow Jesus. Um, and that's what Jesus shares. Turn with me to Matthew 16, verses 24 to 26. Uh, should be up on the screen. It says, And Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? So here's the cross. Here's Jesus saying that we've got to take up our cross to follow him. And back in biblical times, the cross was not this cool image to hang around your neck, you know, get tattooed on your arm, whatever. I mean, that was a horrid event, uh, that it took the life of our Savior. Jesus himself is, we've got to take up our cross. And what does that mean? That means that we have to put to self, or put to death ourself, put to death our pride, uh, put to death all the things that we think this world, uh, or the things that we need in this world to make us happy, to make, make us successful. All of those things are put to death on the cross. And it is only Jesus uh, that we can put our full life into. Uh, and we need to understand that it is beyond our selfish ambitions. Um, it is this paradox of Jesus saying, if you want to find your life, do you want real life? Then lose it. Give it away. Give it away absolutely 100% to Jesus. Um, and that's this commitment of what Jesus says to follow him. Another passage is in Luke 14, verse 26. Luke 14, 26 says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, 
and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Now, hold on a second. I'm not telling you, and Jesus isn't saying, turn to your loved one right now and say, I hate you. Um, what it is is a comparison. If you were to chart out um, the affection and worthiness and love that you have for Jesus in comparison to any other relationship, there should be such a gap that someone looking at that chart's like, man, they must hate these people, but they sure love Jesus. It should be that much of a gap of, of committing our lives fully to him over any relationship, anything else in this world, and understanding that it is with highest affection and ultimate worth of who Jesus is. And in our worship to him, in our relationship with him, it is all about Jesus. It is only Jesus. And wouldn't it be great if we saw some of those examples in Scripture of what this looks like? Well, we do. Um, it's Mary. Uh, here's Mary with a great example of what that means to give her all, what it means for her to give everything and her best to her Savior. Uh, so here's kind of the scene. Uh, they're at a dinner party. There's usually this U-shaped table that's, that's there. Everyone's kind of lounging on, kind of like couch cushions. Uh, you know, one elbow leaning into the table with their head at the table to eat, another one so they can, they can feed themselves. Their feet are kind of out and away from everyone. So you've got this circle uh, or this U-shaped table, and everyone's having great conversations. Which, by the way, how many of you today, when you go to lunch with your family, are going to have great conversations? Or how many of you are going to be on your cell phones? Right? I mean, I'm guilty. Don't, I'm not pointing fingers. It's like, if you know, ask any of my coworkers, like, I'm notorious for holding that stinking phone. Um, I get that. And it's robbed us from a lot of great conversations. Uh, so these people there at the dinner party weren't checking Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and all that. No, they were conversing with one another. And imagine the conversations that they had. Because look at who is there at, at dinner in this room. Uh, we have the disciples, we have the, G the Jesus, <laughs> the Jesus, um, Mary and Martha, Lazarus. It also sh shares in Mark 14, verse 3, that the location of this dinner <clears throat> was with, or at the home of Simon the leper. Uh, so Simon the leper is there, he's hosting. And by the way, if he really still had leprosy, no one's going to show up to that dinner. Okay, and so he was known as Simon the leper because he probably had leprosy. And by the way, leprosy isn't cured by medicine or any kind of treatment or just giving time. No, he probably was healed by Jesus. And so he's got some great stories. Oh, and then by the way, who else is there? Lazarus, right? Talk about some stories that he has. He was dead, like dead, dead, if you remember and he's back to life. So he's got stories. Oh, and Jesus is there, right? God's son, the bread, the living water dude. You know, he's got plenty of... So imagine a time in that meal together of conversations. Um, my challenge for us all when we go to lunch with our families is to put our phones away, like way away, not on the table, even face down, away, away. And here's a good question to ask. If you could have a meal with a biblical character, who would you choose? That's a great question. And could you imagine to have a choice to be in that room that evening and to hear those conversations? 
uh, would be amazing. Um, for all that Christ has done, for the impact that he's had on the group of people in that room, the stories would be phenomenal. So here's kind of the scene. They're hanging out. They're conversing with one another. <clears throat> and then we have Mary. Look at verse 3. It says, Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Now, nard, first time you're reading that, you're like, that probably smells pretty nasty. Um, <clears throat> but nard is actually the head or spike of a very fragrant uh, flower from India. So now th this, this perfume has been imported. Uh, it, the plant itself yields its juice of delicious odor. There's an amazing smell that, that comes from this uh, plant. And so they use it for perfume. And so it's not cheap. Um, it made into a perfume, super expensive. Uh, the Greek pound is really 12 ounces, like 11.5 ounces. So imagine a can of Diet Dr. Pepper is about the amount of nard that she used. Okay, I had to get that in there somehow. Um, but it was so expensive. 300 denarii was basically a year's worth of wages uh, for your, your basic uh, worker in that time. So I did a little research, and the average income for Charles County is $60,000. Uh, so one ounce of that perfume would be $4,166 worth. That's, that's expensive for an ounce of this perfume. And here Mary is just being generous with washing uh, the feet of Jesus with this perfume. It didn't matter the cost because it didn't matter what she had. It was all about this worship, this extravagant worship of her Savior, of Jesus. Um, and then she doesn't just use a towel. She wipes uh, Jesus' feet with her hair. Uh, now, respectable Jewish women never let their hair down in public. So now there's almost this act of disgrace. You could hear the room just kind of silence. Uh, that, whoa, what is she doing? Um, but even out of continued level or a deeper level of worship, she takes her own hair to wipe the feet of Jesus. And by the way, they weren't wearing socks and, sho and shoes. I mean, his feet were dirty. And so to understand again this level of, of love and worship that Mary had, for Jesus to do this act of worship. She set aside her pride, her social standing. She didn't care what anyone else thought. It was all about Jesus and all for Jesus, uh, giving Jesus her absolute best in an act of extravagant worship and, and honor that he is worthy of. And a lot of people, even some of the disciples, still kind of weren't getting that. Um, and so we see that this act wasn't just, hey, Jesus, thanks for saving my brother, bringing him back, you know, we're good friends, I'm going to do this act for you. No, because if I have a birthday coming up, you're not going to go out and blow a ton of money for a gift for me, right? I know y'all love me, but even maybe your spouse, you may not empty the bank account for your spouse, and I recommend it if you can afford it, always take care of your spouse. But, but here's this act of absolute worship, so much more than just getting a gift for someone. It is a sacrifice for Mary to do what she has done for Jesus. So kind of going back to the beginning of the sermon when I asked this question, what does it take to be a follower of Jesus? 
Uh, what does it take to fully sacrifice, to fully surrender to Jesus? Because we cannot become a fully devoted follower of Jesus if other things are competing for what is worthy. There can be nothing else of worth in our life than Jesus. There can be no one else of worth more than Jesus. Remember that scale? It's got to be Jesus. Um, And only one thing can have ultimate worth. Isaac Watts in the hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, verse 4 says this, Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. No matter you have the entire world in your possession, nothing compares to the love of Jesus and to have that attention and worship given to him. Turn with me to Matthew 13, verses 44 to 46, or you can read it on the screen. Here's this continued picture of what it means to have the one most worthwhile thing in the world uh, and, and what you do with it. Matthew 13, 44 to 46 says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it, gave everything for that thing of worth. Here we have access to Jesus, our Messiah, our Savior, and we need to be willing to give all for him because he is worthy. Mary is saying, Jesus, you are the most worthy person and thing in my life. You deserve my all. She sets aside her pride. She places herself in the lowest position that she can, which is, by the way, a true position of worship. She gave all. And how many of us walked into this room, and I am very guilty. There's a lot of stuff going on in my house uh, and in my life that it is hard to step into this time of worship, step into my quiet time, step into any time with God and have all the distractions gone. I get it. It's mere or literally impossible at times. But that is the devotion and love that he wants from us and that we need to aspire to and continue to give our all. And this selfless act of of service that Mary does by washing Jesus' feet, we're going to see in the next chapter that Jesus does it for his disciples because the ultimate selfless act that he did was death on the cross for us that he lowered himself for our purpose and for our forgiveness and and the necessity that we had for the payment of our sin by his shed blood. And so we see the selfless act of of service that Mary did and this picture of what Christ will do, truly saying to this room, I don't care what anyone else thinks. Um, And if we want to follow Jesus, we've got to kill our pride. Mary was so caught up in this moment of worship and devotion She didn't stop to consider what others might think. She didn't stop to think, you know, what kind of public opinion people were going to have about her. It was all about Jesus. And it's almost like Mary fully understood what John the Baptist said when he said, you must increase and I must decrease. That I've got to give all to you and it's nothing about me. If we follow Jesus, people, by the way, are going to think we're pretty stupid. Did you know that? 
because of the paradox. Okay, people aren't going to understand. They definitely are not going to understand um, what a true follower of Jesus looks like when they don't have a sense of what value he has to them. They don't value Jesus the same way. So of course it doesn't make sense. And his whole ministry and message to us is, is this, this, this flipped upside down paradox of, hey, you want to live your life, have the best life, give it away. You've got to die to self for me to come and be Lord of your life. And if we're a true follower of Jesus, there are going to be people in our life that are, that are saying, what are you thinking? Like, why in the world would you do that? Why would you act this way? And as we look at this passage, we have a person in the story who has that same attitude. Like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. The value of that perfume that Mary is pouring on Jesus' feet and then using her hair, gross. Like, what is going on? And we know that that's Judas, right? Judas is complete opposite of what this devotion and, and love to Jesus is. Judas was horrified by what happened. Now, by this time, we know that he is already planning to betray Jesus. And he's like, whoa, that's a lot of money. And we know that he's already been pocketing some. He could have made bank a little happy retirement off of what value that would have been. Um, and we know that on this side of the story. So does John by the time he writes this book. Because verse 6, it says, Not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. And we see that he's just like, well, you just wasted all these resources. Why don't we give it to the poor? You know, now Judah's heart probably wasn't all about helping the poor, um, but here's this opportunity, the, this attitude that he has is what a waste. Um, and Jesus defends Mary's actions, right? He knows what is coming. He knows what uh, this perfume does in the act of, of burying someone. He knows that that is coming, anticipating his, his death. Um, but here's even another picture of sometimes we like to work out our faith. Sometimes we like to be so busy with helping others, so busy with doing ministry, so busy with going on mission trips and going to different things to give away and, and put a little check mark of taking care of these social issues. But if it's not about Jesus, it's worth nothing. Okay? Yes, we need to take care of the poor. Yes, we need to take care of all of these issues. But if it is not wrapped in the name of Jesus, then we're missing the point. And so here's this picture of, of a following of Jesus that it is all about surrendering all that we have to him and only him. Um, the statement that I believe isn't just signing the bottom of a document with a list of statements that you believe. It's a following. It is following Jesus. It is following someone. It is death to self, death to pride, and this paradox of do you want to find your life? Then lose it. Uh, don't live for yourself. Give it away. And it's not easy. That's the radical part. It's, wouldn't it be nicer to say, oh, I follow Jesus, and he tends to kind of, you know, give me some things that I want in my life, make life a little easier for me. No. We have to follow him exactly where he goes and where he 
where he ministers to that we come alongside and we minister in his name. So why do we do what we do for the Lord? Do we serve him for the satisfaction of, of checking a box? Or do we serve Jesus because of Jesus? Did we come to worship this morning to hear some great songs, a beautiful message, um, and take, partake Lord's Supper? Or did we come to meet Jesus? And that is a heart of our, the heart of worship that we need to be all about. The true motive for serving Jesus is because he is worthy of everything. And we see this in Mary. She did what she did because she had this picture of who Christ is already. Probably even before some of the apostles. She knew that he was worthy of extravagant love and selfless devotion. And we are called to do the same. This following, this believing, this selfless devotion comes from his great sacrifice. is because of what he is going to do as we go through John it's the cross. It is in his sacrifice that we have this new life. It is that when he rose again to conquer sin and death, that we have eternal life in him and access to the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit that we get to be with Christ. Um, and we have this new life. We have this new life, and it should show, by the way. There should be this fragrance about our life. If we are living out our faith and living out this belief, there should be so much of our pursuit of Jesus that, that oozes and ekes out into everything that we do, everything that we say, the way that we act, the way that we treat our loved ones, the way that we treat our coworkers. Everything coming from our life and our new life is because of Jesus. And who else had a new life that was there? Lazarus, right? Talk about a new, a new life that he got to live again. We have this new life in Jesus. And wouldn't it be amazing for us to be able to say in verse 11, because in verse 11 it says, an account of, on account of Lazarus, many were going away and believing in Jesus. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could put our names in there and say, on account of Randy, Many were going away and believing in Jesus. Is the fragrant love of Christ on our life so evident that it is obvious to those around us? Have we fully surrendered everything in our life to him? Have we given all of our emotions and our attitudes and our finances and our resources and our families and everything over to him in full surrender? We're going to go into a, a time of invitation in a moment, and then following is our Lord's Supper. Uh, just allow the Spirit to speak to your heart. Allow this time for you to just reflect and think through all that we have because of Jesus and all that we need to give even more of ourselves to him. Pray, please pray with me. Father, I thank you for this time together that you continue to speak to us Continue to show us, continue to challenge us in our faith that we understand a little bit more of what this love looks like and how much more we can give, Father, in this relationship and, and how much more we need to surrender to you. Father, I thank you for this time of invitation and as we go into Lord's Supper, uh, that you are glorified in every moment of it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.